Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of the Coming Ashore podcast from the Marine Society. My name's Andrew Cowdroy and today we have a very special guest, a friend, a colleague and a new mentor for the Coming Ashore project. Steve Cameron started his career at sea, set course for a new career on shore and I'll let him explain why he made that move and now he's running an extremely successful consultancy uh, and he's had a extremely interesting career and to show the diversity of what you can do when you come ashore, the different industries, the different sectors that you can work in. Steve's networks and communicates with a lot of these experts from around the world. So thank you very much Steve for joining us. Well it's a real pleasure to be here Andrew. Uh, whether I can live up to that introduction we'll, we'll find out but thank you very much for that. Uh, so to get us started, can you share with our audience or guests or listeners around the world what made, you, what made you decide to go to sea in the first place? What was that sort of real, the, the purest why of why you went to sea? It's a combination of things, actually. It seems such a long time ago now. Um, I'm not sure I can answer that question uh, particularly well, but I, um, I, I did struggle academically at school, and I was more attuned with the practical things. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thought of staying on at school after O-levels and doing... A-levels did not fill me uh, mm. with uh, a, a great deal of enthusiasm um, and uh, we had a school sailing club, I learned to sail um, and uh, I spent my holidays working on farms and I felt far more attuned to an outdoor life doing something practical and so decided on a seafaring uh, uh, course. So can you explain on your seafaring course, I mean you went through the cadetship as many officers will have done, uh, but can you explain to the listeners what type of ships did you sail on and perhaps why you had to come ashore, why you made that decision? Okay, well I did the usual pre-sea training which was a year then when I was 16 at Nautical College. I signed a cadetship with the cargo division of Cunard. Uh, and uh, it was at the time that the industry was moving from uh, conventional shipping towards containerization, so there's a lot of change happening. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning, uh, the cargo division of Cunard was quite broad, so there was the conventional reefer ships run under the logo Portline, which is the, the, the company that I signed up with. There were a parcel tankers under HE Moss, general cargo ships under Brocklebank, um, and uh, a joint ownership of Atlantic Container Line and ACT Container Line, so a really broad range of different vessels sure. for us to, to train on. And I trained on the conventional reefer ships. Uh, we'd go out, uh, we'd load general cargo around Europe and go out and discharge around Australia and load frozen meat, butter and cheese in New Zealand uh, and come back through the Panama Canal, so quite often it was a round-the-world trip. Uh, and. Um, uh, it was a very pleasant existence. We carried a dozen passengers, so the, the food on board was always very good. Absolutely. Uh, and we were all officers and crew from the same company. Mm. So um, uh, there was a lot more focus on the quality of one's training. There was very, very clear definitions of who was responsible. Sure. Uh, for the officers and crew on board the ships and, and um, uh, uh, whilst we took it all for granted at the time it's only with hindsight that I realised um, 
quite how lucky I was mm. to work in an organisation with such with such high standard. Sure. Um, I spent some time on uh, small product carriers with HMOS, which is which was interesting, uh, loading highly dangerous flammable parcels of different cargoes that you must not mix. No. Um, in any shape or form, uh, and did a little bit of time on them. On some of the conventional ships, some of the some of the Brocklebank ships as well. By the time I'd done that, it was time for my second mate's ticket. Um, but I discovered that I had some weaknesses with my eyesight, and that I'd have to come ashore uh, sooner or later. Yeah. And um, I chose to come ashore earlier because I thought it would be easier to make the transition. Sure. Early, uh, rather than wait wait until I'd been at sea for for longer and. As luck would have it, uh, a job came up in the office. Um, I was um, asked to go up for an interview, uh, and in um, those days, uh, we had two sets of clothes in our wardrobe, our uniforms when we were working on board ship, and what we used to call our going ashore gear. Sure. So I turned up for my interview in my going ashore gear, which was not really appropriate for an office, more appropriate for a nightclub. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, they still offered me the job, which to this day remains a surprise, given the way I must have looked. Um, and I was lucky enough to, for the first four years in my uh, career ashore to work in different departments within Cunard's mm -hmm. cargo offices, which gave me an introduction uh, to working ashore. And if you like, it was a bit like an unstructured sure. management training program. Um, with my first year in operations managing the ships, yep. my second year working in fleet personnel managing the deck officers, which was a real eye-opener when you find out what your colleagues have been up to, um, and where I also inherited or discovered a long list of friends that I never knew I had uh, for all the seafarers that wanted me to get them a transfer from the cargo division mm. to the passenger ship division. Funny that. Yes, yes, made me very popular. Uh, and there's some stories there, perhaps for another day. Um, uh, and then um, uh, after I'd uh, done four years uh, there, uh, I felt I'd got as far as I could within the organisation. Sure. But what was interesting there was just to see the range of jobs that existed for, mm. for seafarers, because all the departments, whether we were talking operations or engineering or uh, catering, were all made up with ex-sea staff that had been at sea under those disciplines. Sure. So for a lot of us, the way in to a career at Shaw was through the operations department because most companies really valued uh, having people in the operations department that understood what goes on on board a ship. Sure. And when they were talking to the master on a telephone, they were sharing, if you like, the same thinks bubble of what yeah. was actually happening and, and, and the the captain was confident he was talking to somebody that understood what his, sure. what his problems were. So um, uh, there were um, a number of us that had come ashore uh, early in our careers and there were others that had stayed and got their master's tickets. And um, if you remember the event that we were both at where we had this debate yes. on board HQS Wellington and uh, with speakers across uh, different sectors of the industry, including yourself. Um, it was interesting to hear from 
those of us that had come ashore early and those, of, those that had stayed at sea to get their mm. master's ticket. Uh, and everybody was informed by their own experience. Yes. And what was clear was there was no right or wrong answer. It's just what happens to be best for you at that particular Absolutely. moment in time. And, and certainly um, if people aren't sure which route to take, but they know they want to mm. come ashore, but they are happy at sea, then I would say it's definitely valuable to stay, uh, get your master's ticket yes. before you come ashore because it gives you greater value uh, and it gives you a benchmark that people respect. Yeah. But having said that, um, there are a lot of roles open to people uh, that can start at a junior level and you can progress mm. into a whole range of different sectors of the industry. Uh, whether it's the sales and marketing department or whether it's broking and yep. doing your institute of charter ship brokers exams or, or any any aspect of running a business you can you'll find mm. in the shipping industry so to summarize that small bit I mean it is it's a huge amount of experience and and a huge amount that we can start to pull on and share with our colleagues so went through a traditional career at sea started your training got your officer of the watch ticket, enjoyed worldly travels with your friends, um, experienced cultures, working together as a team, all these skills that you can then bring into your career on shore. And that move was, dare I use words, perhaps slightly easier because you, the, a position became available within the office of the company that you're already working in. You worked in the office and then you started on the, on the vast career experience that you've had. So jumping into a few bits again um, of what you've said, you talk about where people's experiences and how they can uh, be placed into different organizations and different roles. Um, now, can you share with our guests sort of the roles that you, we've talked about Cunard. Now, jumping forward a few years, bypassing over to the Africa line, and we'll come back to that. Can you share with them your recruitment and headhunting experience and sort of what somebody on board a ship should be sort of thinking about when they start to think about when they come ashore in terms of how can my experiences transfer into a role on shore, um, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, with uh, some of the work that we've done, where we've looked at that process of coming ashore. It's interesting to see that the more informed organisations will uh, provide or facilitate opportunities for seafarers to spend some time in the office. So even if you're, you haven't said, I'm planning to come ashore, they're there, there may be opportunities to work on projects, there may be opportunities to come and work in the office during your leave. Mm. And I would say to anybody that is still at sea, be proactive and look for those opportunities. Because the more that time you can spend in the office uh, understanding the commercial aspects of the business, uh, the more you can raise your profile in the office and get known, then the greater the chance of you um, either getting a job with the organisation you're at sea with or getting a sure job with another organisation because of the fact you've worked on some projects sure. in the office. And I was speaking to uh, a colleague of mine who um, was uh, at sea with Zodiac. And when he said to them, I'm thinking of coming ashore, 
they brought him ashore and put him in the projects department mm -hmm. where he, he worked for, for six months before he went back to sea and sailed, right. sailed as a master. And he said that time for him was invaluable because it opened his eyes to the commercial process behind all the decisions that get made mm -hmm. about ships, when to sail, which ports to go to, um, decisions about which cargo to load, which cargo to leave behind. And it enabled him to make uh, better value decisions with, sure. that, with that knowledge as a consequence. So, um, so for seafarers thinking about coming ashore, it's, it's really important to look for those opportunities uh, because it provides information on the CV that adds value. Sure. And um, uh, with the headhunting and recruiting, that uh, we were doing when I started uh, CMR. Um, uh, a lot of our time was spent actually sitting with candidates, helping them knock their CV into shape. Mm -hmm. uh, and quite often we have skills that we're so close to that we take them for granted. We develop good leadership skills as seafarers. We develop good intercultural skills, being able to work with, manage, people from different cultures from all around the world and we have a very much of a can-do attitude when it comes to problem solving, mm -hmm. solving and this works extremely well and is very effective in, a, in an office environment uh, as, as well. So uh, I would spend time with uh, people that are coming ashore, get them to talk about their strengths and their preferences um, and as a consequence of going through that process we pretty always list additional skills that they got sure. that they hadn't fully appreciated. Uh, and really it's trying to understand um, where one's strengths and preferences are and how that would fit into, in, into, into different roles sure. in, in a short-based job. Um, it can be very difficult to actually make that decision until you've worked in an office because sure. you may not fully appreciate how your skills may fit. Absolutely. Uh, so a chance for uh, time spent in any organisation and then perhaps whilst you're on leave mm. uh, um, for work experience is a great way of building up your understanding of uh, what's available and what you're suited to. So there's a couple, there's a whole range of points again I want to pick up and just reiterate so for colleagues coming ashore if you are interested in coming ashore I think an extremely valuable point to say is it's been said and we'll say it again and again is to actually say put your hand up and say perhaps I need a bit of help or indeed to your colleagues on shore and say actually I'm considering a role inshore in the office can I perhaps come and spend some time experiencing what it's actually like to work inside an office uh, to build up that CV um, as well as just general experience and is it the right fit for you and your personal preferences but also your career history and it's something if your organization your company aren't able to support it is part of the process in the coming ashore project where we will be working with partners to provide that work experience opportunity so you can actually take that during your shore leave, visit an office, learn about PNI, learn about ship brokerage, learn about the legal aspects, etc. etc. Now to share, so again jumping back into your personal story, 
a bit behind the mentor. Now, much like myself, I'm not hugely academic, uh, went to sea, um, and just showing how you don't have to have a, a master's ticket or indeed perhaps the best uh, academic grades. Uh, you jumping into your career again, you went from Cunard and then you was it, it was OT Africa line after that. Can you explain sort of what you did there, um, the sort of roles that you took on, the work that you were doing? Uh, again, sure to share with our colleagues that you don't necessarily have to have the best school grades to be able to have such a diverse and exciting career onshore. Now that's right, Andrew. Um, uh, it's you get. It's not just about school grades, and school grades give an indication of one's academic abilities, but don't necessarily reflect the personal skills that you've mm -hmm. got. And some of the larger organisations that used to select their C staff purely on academic qualifications started to realise that that picking the brightest people from, from some of the nautical colleges from around the world, you get people that were very clever and mm. could pass exams, but they weren't necessarily providing the leadership material uh, that's needed uh, at sea. Sure. And so now a lot of companies are not just looking for academic grades, but they're looking for leadership qualities. Yes. Why train somebody towards being a chief officer or a master if they don't have leadership skills? Sure. So, um, and uh, having that operation experience, even if you've uh, uh, only been at sea for a short period, gives you a value that a lot of companies uh, uh, would uh, are interested in. And in my case, I happen to have worked in a fledgling container service that Cunard had started to the Middle East. So I had both ship operations experience and mm -hmm. container logistics experience, which at the time was, was, was sought after. Um, and when I joined OT Africa Line, they needed uh, somebody in their operations department that had both those skills, primarily to run their vessels, but mm -hmm. also to help with the landside logistics as, as well. Uh, we were a new team. I think there was only 12 of us when I joined the organization. Um, we were new to uh, running a shipping line to West Africa. We were new to each other. So uh, we ha had to go through a lot of training uh, and a lot of understanding about teamwork, leadership skills, um, uh, to bring the team together. And running a shipping line to Africa is unlike other parts of the world. It's very much a hands-on business. Mm -hmm. And when things go wrong, you have to get on an airplane, go down to Africa, sort the problem out. Sure. Uh, the uh, upside uh, is that in that environment with um, only a small amount of effort uh, and focus you can really make some big differences and really improve the operation mm -hmm. and, and, and raise, raise the standards. So it was through the time and effort that we spent with training our staff that we were able to compete uh, and take market share from our competitors that were bigger, had been in the trade mm. much longer, because our, our people had been better trained and they had more knowledge about the business. Uh, every new hire had to do a ship visit. Uh, every uh, body in the sales department had to do a ship rotation. 
every management trainee had to spend two months in Africa. Uh, and as a consequence of that, we were, everybody in the organisation was able to add greater value sure. to their conversations with, with, um, with um, our clients. Um, and as the organisation grew, we all grew, uh, and we may have been the same team of people, but we went from being technical managers, uh, running our own departments, mm -hmm. in my case, ship operations, and running big roll-on, roll-off ships to Africa is a challenge, uh, as well as big, exciting. Yes. Um, uh, but we, we, as the organisation grew, we grew with it, so we went from being a team of people managing a business to a board of directors, uh, uh, looking at the risk exposure of, um, of running a shipping line to uh, West Africa and the risk exposure of the investments that we're making in, in, um, in assets and ships, containers, mm. cargo, cargo handling equipment. So, I mean, there is a prime example of how you don't have to have these academic quals. You don't necessarily have to have a master's ticket to have a already in, in a relatively short period of time an extremely exciting career. Uh, move ashore, work in an office, and then throughout the time at OT Africa Line, go from a small team working together, being humans, being seafarers, having that ability to interact with one another, work together, and drop Steve or any of the other team into that interesting and exciting environment and they'll thrive and make your way up to board level. So again, it's just to show that and share with our colleagues that don't be put off by what, is, what the paper says. Don't be put off by, I don't have a master's ticket. I don't even perhaps even have an officer of the watch ticket or certificate of competency. You have a huge amount of experience and you're sitting on a, a mountain of value that you can actually thrive on and you can work towards. So after OT Africa Online, again, sort of sharing a bit of the background behind, behind the mentor, um, can you explain, so it was CMR after OT Africa Line, and then that's when we started to link up at the Honorable Company of Master Mariners, RTI, and can you just sort of share that sort of post OT Africa Line, the work and experience that you've done, sort of in a bit of a nutshell. Um, okay. Um, I think that because we'd had 20 years of developing a business um, and in a small organisation you have the advantage of getting involved in all, all the processes of the business. So you uh, might be negotiating your port and stevedoring contracts uh, or lease agreements with container suppliers, but you're also looking at contracts for agents, um, you're looking at charter parties for fixing ships, um, you're looking at your risk exposure, you're looking at the cash flow mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. Yes. Uh, um, and all the and you're looking at how you're marketing the organisation, mm. uh, how your profile is in the marketplace, how you're how you're interfacing with your customers. So all these things uh, came together for me in a very lucky way because it enabled me to set up my business. And if I hadn't had that experience, then it would have been a lot more difficult. Um, so when we started, a, a lot of the work was headhunting and recruiting, mm -hmm. and uh, it was very clear that a lot of shipping lines did want uh, junior people. They particularly wanted seafarers mm -hmm. um, uh, because of the experience they'd had uh, that translates ashore. 
Uh, and, and, and in particular, a lot of companies wanted people that had worked in an office in some capacity. Um, and, and even if they'd only had two years' experience, mm. then that combination w uh, gave them value that, that, that shipping lines were, were, were very keen uh, to acquire. Um, so just touching on that, um, actually you setting up your own business rather versus the, the role, can you explain why you, and I was personal and for our colleagues, why you set, rather than transitioning and rather moving to another company, why you made that decision to set up your own company versus um, working for another? There's an admission here, it, it didn't happen as a consequence of planning. It was a happy accident mm -hmm. uh, and um, a friend of mine who uh, I'd worked with who's a, a port uh, economist and does forecasting for ports and terminals uh, said why don't you come and work with me while you're looking around um, uh, for, for another job. Um, you know the industry, you can market my services uh, and we can work together. So that's how, that's how it started uh, and I found after three months that I was so busy marketing the skills and services that we got together mm. that I was too busy to look for a full-time job. And so that, that's, that's the way that it um, developed. So again, you touched on sales marketing and, and that aspect as well. Just sort of touching on the diverse career opportunities that there are for somebody coming ashore. We've done operations, we've done commercial management, we've done HR, we've done headhunting, and now we're going into sales and marketing and the role that you play in sort of degree of public relations as well within the industry. Can you just lightly sort of add some seasoning to, to that? Um, if you're involved in running your own business, you have to understand how sales and marketing and PR works. The technical mm -hmm. skills alone uh, are not enough um, and nowadays uh, most young people already have those skills because they're using social mm -hmm. media yes. and effectively you're marketing yourself to your, your network of friends mm -hmm. and colleagues and, and um, when we started our, our business um, I discovered something which I call the rule of two. Uh, if you pick up the phone and say hello I'm Steve Cameron and this is CMR and this is what we do. You can hear the person at the other end go, oh yes, that's really interesting. Why don't you call me back in a couple of months' time? And that would be, that would be the end of the conversation. Mm. Uh, if I'd phoned somebody up and I'd written an article that appeared in, in World Cargo News or, or mm. Port Strategy, they'd say, oh yes, I think, didn't I see that article that you wrote a few months ago? Why don't you come in and have a conversation with us? So that's what I call the rule of two, mm. that if you've already got a profile, uh, so that when you pick up the phone to talk to people, you are recognised. You can start the conversation uh, from a, a, a much more forward sure. position in terms of the relationship. Um, and so I think that's that's really important. And uh, as uh, people develop their careers, getting out and working on projects uh, that add some additional value to your CV, uh, getting out and going to conferences getting the opportunity to speak at events, as, mm -hmm. as you do. Um, yeah. uh, these are all really important things in terms of giving you, A, good personal skills, but B, raising your profile in the industry that will 
that will help you network and help you add value. So again, a few interesting points I want to pick up so we can reiterate them and remember them as colleagues at sea. Start, change the perspective from I'm going out to look for perhaps a new job and actually start to think of ourselves as a brand, as a, as a product in ourselves and build on sort of from the headhunting discussion that mountain of value and then get out and meet and mingle with our colleagues uh, around the world, raising that profile so you start to stand up at uh, scale uh, and the more opportunities start to arise. Absolutely. I mean, it's just so important. Uh, and you can't you can't do it all from behind the desk and your computer. Sure. You've got to get out and and meet people. And thank you so much for listening. Unfortunately, there is a slight technical issue on the day of filming with Steve. I will certainly be welcoming Steve back because it's very easy to keep talking and talking with the gentleman. If you want to find out more about the work that Steve does, visit his website at Cameron Maritime Resources. Uh, the link will be in the bio. If you want to learn more about the Coming Ashore project, please visit the Marine Society's website. Click on the Coming Ashore link at the top of the bar, fill out the form and we'll send you a quick questionnaire if you want to be enrolled in the programme. Be sure if you want to learn more about the mentors, the programme or careers onshore, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Spotify, and keep up to date with all the news. My name's Andrew Cowdry, and I thank you very much for listening.